Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, this is the 11th designfootball.com podcast, an Irish special. Happy St. Patrick's Day. My name is Jay, I'm the resident blogger on designfootball.com and with me today is uh, our authority on um, all things Irish, uh, Dennis Hurley. Hello Dennis, how are you? I'm fine Jay, thanks for that and happy St. Patrick's Day as well. Oh, thanks very much, that's very kind of you. I haven't even had breakfast. <laughs> but well, you you don't need to necessarily slip into that kind of that kind of stereotype. It's just you're an authority on Irish things, and that's that's why you're here. It's I have it at St Patrick's Day, so oh, um, so Irish, uh, so Guinness does happen. Well, for a lot of people, not for me, probably, but uh, um, yeah, a lot of people tend to use it as an opportunity to spend the day in the pub. Okay. Even well, what though is... I'm work tomorrow, so I don't really understand that logic. But anyway, um... what, what is the um the the Vatican's actual stance on on taking a break from Lent for St Patrick's Day? Is that sort of allowed? Because I mean... oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh... yeah. That what literally? Well, in practice, anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. But do you get the? Oh, yeah, like, uh, that was always I was in school. Um, take St. Patrick's Day off if someone in your class had a birthday party they'd just go mad on the sweets, you know, it didn't count see there's 47 days in Lent so I think you've kind of seven 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 days where you can just nominate as taking it off yeah um, a lot of people take the I think the Sundays off and, and a lot of people say that Holy Week isn't part of it so they take that bit off Hmm. Yeah. I, I, if you can nominate days, that's interesting. I didn't. Yeah. Okay. We should probably talk about football kits. Um, the the uh, the New Island shirt has been released now. Yeah. You've seen this. What are your thoughts on the New Island shirt? So very underwhelmed. But well, I, I suppose underwhelmed is the wrong word because that would imply I was expecting something really good. It's just I, I'm I'm whelmed basically. It's it's. <laughs> I was expected not to be impressed, and I wasn't. No, I I had very very I had much higher hopes probably <laughs> than you did, and it's 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 inoffensively terrible. I think <laughs> I I can't I don't understand why they've come up with these different things. Now the the side panel is is that I think that's that. The side paddles is like carried over from the current away shirt, which is a nod to the away shirt that they wore in the 2002 World Cup. Is yeah, well, you can draw a lineage that way. Yeah, um, but I suppose yeah, that's probably the link. But it, it's like it's like they got all these 
half good ideas in a spray can and then just let that out onto the shirt, you know, and there's just way too much going on and not enough of it is good. Uh, just just to describe for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's on the notes and you've probably seen it, but it's it's a green shirt, surprisingly enough, and it has like a, a diagonal uh, shadow stripe pattern as, as part of the watermark, which is, that's good. Yeah, it'd be, it, it would be fine if it was the main design element. Well, once you've done that, you don't need to do anything else, do you? You just have a very simple collar, have a very simple, say, cuffs if you want them. No side panels or anything like that. And there's your shirt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I... but this is swimming in a sea of um, features. Hmm. Yeah, so then you've got the a white sort of polo shirt collar, which has a big orange stripe on it. You've got orange stripes down the side as part of that panels thing, I think. Ugh, it's yeah, just... like the collar, obviously, is... Um... Is a nod to the Euro eighty eight and World Cup ninety kits, but like the Euro eighty eight had a mixture of a polo and a V neck, and it was on the V neck that the orange stripe was, and obviously in nineteen ninety it was just the V neck. So having the stripe on the polo is it, it doesn't make any sense. If they were going to do a nod to it, just copy it basically. Just have a V neck with an orange stripe. Mm. Yeah, um, I yeah, I'd I'd agree and. Isn't the the orange stripe is is much brighter and much thicker? I think as well, isn't it? It looks it anyway. It's, it's, right. it, it's it's not fully fluorescent, but it's it's on the road to fluorescent. I mean, something that needs to be said there is, I don't know whether it was the case with the eighty eight and ninety shirt, but wasn't it slipping into a little bit of the gold rather than orange for those? No, they were a proper orange. To be fair, ah, um, it was in the O'Neill's days. It would have been gold or yellow, really. Adidas always had a normal orange. Umbro did when they came in first, but then kind of around 2010 or so, it was gold, which I wouldn't agree with at all. Ah, yeah, that's true. So it has it has reverted to that. So are you, are you able to explain the the controversy between having gold or orange? Well, the constitution of the country says that the the flag should be a tricolour of green, white and orange, which is fairly clear. But orange, in this case, represents Northern Ireland and some, uh, <coughs> I suppose, hardline Republicans would prefer not to acknowledge those people and so prefer to call it gold, which is totally counterintuitive when you think about it, because it's the sole reason that it is there. So... I, I really failed to see that logic, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, the, it's, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily refer to Northern Ireland in terms of geography, does it? It's, it's more the presence of Protestantism in yeah, Ireland. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so you, you'll see a, a lot of Celtic Park, or you did do. I, I, don't, I think you see it less now, probably because the flags aren't available, but you'd see there'd probably be more Irish tricolours, which, which are green, white and Gold than actually yeah. the, the proper colours of a lot of Ireland matches too, and yeah, I'd say if you canvassed a hundred people in the street, at least fifty would say green, white, and gold rather than green, white, and orange. Mm. Um, and like if if you look, if you look at the the website of the Department of the Taoiseach, uh, the Prime Minister of Ireland, although we don't actually have a Prime Minister at the moment because um, the government. There's been no government form since the election recently, but uh, 
it, it mentions the flag and how it should be green, white, and orange, and how it should never ever be defaced. But that's another uh, very common offence by football fans who, who love to write, you know, a, a funny slogan on the flag. And it, it, it's done as well by firms as part of their advertising. I remember for probably for Euro 2012, Guinness had a lot of Irish flags with, with their logo emblazoned across them. Uh, so that's another bugbear of mine. Not kit-related, but design-related, I suppose. Mm. Well, it's, it's, all, it's all relevant. And if it is impacting on the design of the, of the national kit, then then it is it is related completely. Um, so give us a little bit of a history of, of Ireland kits. I mean, don't go into great detail, but say, so what are we saying Ireland, Ireland came to being in terms of football team? When would that have been? Um, the 1920s, I suppose, um, when, when the country was split in two. Um, and blue was initially worn because the United team had worn blue, but so it's going to be both teams switched to green. Um, and for a lot of the time, the kits were manufactured by O'Neill's, who were the main suppliers of uh, GEA jerseys, Gaelic games in Ireland. And then in they, they, they obviously... Um, introduced the gold to the kit, the erroneous gold, and then in 1986, Adidas took over. And at the same time, the FAI basically didn't have a pot to piss in, and they needed a lot of money, so they entered into a sponsorship deal with Opel. And Opel sensed an opportunity to get real bang for their buck with this deal, and said every single replica shirt sold has to have our logo on the front, and the FAI gladly accepted. And that has set the precedent for subsequent uh, sponsorship deals um, after Opel with Aircom and then Tree uh, having their logo appear on the shirt as well. And it is, it's a, a source of annoyance among Irish fans that they can't buy proper kits unless they're willing to spend huge money. Um, but uh, that's... That's the way it is, and I can't see it really changing now. Uh, Umbro took over in '94 after the World Cup. The the last Adidas kit only lasted about four months, I think. And Umbro have been there since, so that's 22 years, and they've certainly uh, got their money's worth because kits are released pretty much every year now. Uh, and you know, you almost don't have a chance to get familiar with a kit before it's being replaced again. Yeah, but I mean, the sponsorship thing. If we come back to the to the latest one, that just it just makes things even worse. That that it's got the big three logo on it. I I don't have a problem with that as a logo. It's it just makes it makes no sense to to especially if you're going to have an overly cluttered shirt like that that has too many things yeah. going on. It's going to look even worse if you have then a sponsor's logo on the front as well. So Absolutely. they're not even mindful of that. And, and that's the shirt that they're trying to market. All right, the players aren't going to be wearing it, but that's the one they want to sell. So you've got to make it more understated, if that makes yeah. sense. You would think so. But hmm. um, when you have so many shirts coming out, you have to make them all different to each other. So I suppose that's a factor too. So, well, just go back through history again. When was there 
oh, I, I don't want to get too political, but when when Ireland was part of the United Kingdom entirely, would that be the right way to phrase it, or was it? How did yeah, it work prior to 1920? What what was the case, and what was the case with the football team? Yeah, it was a United team like from the 1880s or whenever, and they were blue. Okay, uh, why St Patrick's blue is the blue that's um that's cited as being the shade, um, which I I'm fairly sure is a kind of a light blue, but I think the jerseys were fairly dark, um, and then that was like until 1921 then. When the split happened, blue was worn, and the Republic of Ireland, as the team became known, eventually. Um, but that was only kind of done later because both teams went under the name Ireland, which, if you think about it, didn't really make all that much sense. But uh, FIFA kind of stepped in then to call them the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, and. Uh, as just as another sidebar, a lot of people refer to this country as the Republic of Ireland, but in the Constitution it's just called Ireland. So international football is actually the only area where an entity called the Republic of Ireland exists. Um, so I, I'm just checking there now. It, it was the 1924 Olympics that Ireland wore, first wore green, uh, as in Southern Ireland, and it's been since. Um, I'm not sure when Northern Ireland changed to green. Okay, so there's there's a couple of things there. So w- would we regard then that team prior to that as as like a home nation, the same as like Scotland having an international team, Wales having an international team, and, and England having a national team? It was, yeah. it was one of the four, right? Okay. Um, th- the other thing is what what you so we talk about the two teams called Ireland there, even up to today. You have the Irish FA, which refers to let's let's call it Northern Ireland. Again, yeah. not getting too political, but the team that is known as Northern Ireland in, in international football is yeah. uh, represented uh, represents the Irish FA, and then uh, the FAI, which is the Football Association of Ireland, refers yeah. to the Republic of Ireland. So the UN calls Ireland Ireland, not Republic of Ireland. Yeah. Okay. That's I didn't I didn't know that. That's that's news to me. But in in terms of football, something that people don't realize is anyone who is as I understand it, anyone who's eligible to play for the football team called Northern Ireland is also eligible to play for the football team called Republic of Ireland. So there is no border as far as football is concerned in terms of eligibility and that's to do with the Good Friday agreement, I think. So Yeah. FIFA, yeah. So and yeah. and that is the same for the granny rule. So if you have a grandparent that say was born in Belfast, yeah, then you are entitled to pay play for the Republic of Ireland. So there is no border that and that is well, the same. The same exists in in terms of Great Britain, but it's just a gentleman's agreement that it's never um, it's never abused. Yeah, I I have heard this before, and I I think it's. <laughs> I know it started out as a, a gentleman's agreement, but I think it has been actually written in now by FIFA, hasn't oh, it? Yeah. it? It may not be, but but yeah, that in effect, FIFA wouldn't have a problem with someone who was born in Scotland, never even visited England, actually playing for England, because in political terms, there's no difference, really. It's, it's the same country, yeah. It's the same, yeah. It's, it's only the United Kingdom that's really the country, but... 
I just said that to attract the hate mob, by the way. That phraseology. Which which phrase was that? That it's the same country. Oh well, the Scotland and England are the same country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Mm. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> Sorry, I was really banging in the butt, aren't I? If if you if you really want to attract the hate mobs, then uh, you say that one of those they are two separate countries. One of them is crap, and one of them is brilliant. So yeah, well, that, yeah, I did that in the last podcast. Remember, I uh, basically just completely dismissed Scotland as a sporting entity apart from Andy Murray. Yeah, uh, well, that that's probably accurate. Um, yeah. He he won again the other day. Did you see? For yeah. uh, who did he win for though? Um, Great Britain, I'd imagine. Mm, there you go. So my point wasn't so hackneyed, was it? Which point? The point that it, when he wins, he he does it for Britain, and when he loses, oh, he's... well, if you'd ask me who he lost for, I'd said Great Britain as well. Like it's, but he it's didn't lose. Who represents the British pop? It's so. Uh... Yeah, but he doesn't no, lose. I... He doesn't, he doesn't lose for them. In this debate. Okay. Okay. So we've done that oh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's not get into that again. Uh, okay, so O'Neill's uh, O'Neill's were known for making the island shirts. So O'Neill's is a when was O'Neill set up? Nineteen eighteen, is it? Yeah, yeah, nineteen okay. eighteen. Um, I'm not sure when exactly they started making the island kit because you know it's impossible without logos to, to trace all that kind of stuff. Um, but at at some stage, yeah, they they did become the the primary uh, producers. Um, and then in the 70s, I suppose, they kind of would have copied the trends that they were seeing in England and gradually more accoutrements were added to the kit. Now, this is, this is where being a kit geek turns into a little bit of a sickness. So because you've, you've said 1918 there, I'm thinking back to something that happened at, at Croke Park and that was in 19 when was that the the Croke Park thing that is is it that oh 19 when 20 oh 1920 oh okay so it they would have been wearing O'Neill's kits uh, uh, possibly but they didn't they didn't like just um become established and take over making every single county jersey straight away uh, I I don't know when they achieved ubiquity in GA either, um. So I'd say I'd imagine they might have been making the Dublin jerseys, but Tipperary between Dublin were playing that day. I presume they probably had a local supplier, you know. Um, it was O'Neill's O'Neill's gradually becoming dominant. It's probably just like a miniaturized version of globalization that you had all these local ones, and then gradually O'Neill's began to spread their uh spread their area of um of uh of dominance mm. so just uh could you uh, uh, explain to people what happened at croke park it's it's uh, a, yeah, a major it, event in Irish history. It, it it basically it, it, they became known as bloody sunday it was november 1920 and earlier that morning um Irish freedom fighters had uh, killed a lot of British agents and the the Crown forces basically decided that revenge was needed so um, 
a lot of soldiers went into Croke Park where the match was being played and began firing indiscriminately. And one of the players who died was a footballer for Tipperary called Michael Hogan. And the main stand at Croke Park is called the Hogan Stand in memory of him. Hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh... I'll try to stick to facts there and just give a brief uh, brief a synopsis as I can. Yeah, no, that that's that's perfect. But obviously, people can look into that. There's, hmm, there's a lot of things that went on that weren't really weren't really right. I think that that uh, that's probably an example of it. Uh, okay, so we were talking about the the island shirts. Now, so O'Neill's had it up until the eighties, as you say. Yeah, uh, Adidas took it, over. It, in a lot of people's eyes, it's year zero for the Republic of Ireland team because. Like that, you had Adidas coming in with real nice new modern jerseys, Opal taking over the sponsors, and obviously Jack Charlton um, becoming manager. And mm. kind of Ireland basically becoming better. Yeah. So, and, and that is it's convenient for us because that's basically our, our lifetimes as well. And we, we started being interested in football just after that that happened so it's like we we don't need to worry about anything that happened before we were born um yeah. <laughs> which is convenient uh so the the adidas kits people will will know so 88 uh 90 very famous kits that 90 kit was good actually had a good um a good watermark to it as well yeah um, i'm not sure exactly why it had that kind of v pattern but um it did uh, that, was, that was the first kid I had, so it holds a special place in my heart. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was a good time for Irish football as well. So you you mentioned that the last Ireland kit was, and is that the one that was worn at the '94 World Cup? Yeah. Sorry, the last Adidas Island kit. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. yeah. So they won- like the current one, the one kind of. Fairly busy in terms of things going on. The the fabric had a load of different, um, load of different kind of designs in it. Hmm. Okay, and then that's when I mean we say that they only had that kit for a short amount of time, but they they were wearing the was it the away kit they wore when they beat Italy? No. Oh no, sorry. World Cup where they wore the green shirts. They wore white against Mexico and Norway and the Netherlands. Oh right, okay. So they wore the the home kit against Italy. Okay. Was yeah, there but a... they actually thought that they had to wear the white against Italy, and um, they were in the tunnel, and Italy came out with white as well. So Ireland had to go back in and change. Yeah, that's that's why I. Oh yeah, they both yeah they both wanted to because of the heat. It was another one of those wear white because it's hot World Cups. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I got mixed up. So Ray Houghton scored the goal against Italy. Uh, so even though those kits weren't kept for very long, they they you got your money's worth out of those kits, really, didn't you? Well, it was it was an okay World Cup, it wasn't as good as um, nineteen ninety. So uh, yeah, yeah like I I don't know the the away was kind of nice, but the home I don't know. Um, it it was it was a strange kind of design because it wasn't used by anyone else. No other Adidas team. Like, and there was no three stripes on the shirt anywhere. Oh, yeah, I hadn't... Or the shorts, only the socks. Oh, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. 
yeah. I'd never never realised that before. But anyway, the when after that World Cup Umbro came in and those Umbro kits were they quite similar to those Adidas kits? Mm, I suppose they were similar in uh, in in kind of in in terms of nineties design elements. Um, like it, <clears throat> there was there wasn't really anything identical, but you 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 pinpoint when being from the same time period, all right? Yeah. Um, the orange did feature quite heavily in the away. It was a weird kind of uh, design with uh, with panels coming up from the, the the ribs basically and going up from both sides up to the collar. If I'm explaining that kind of in a coherent way. And yeah. The away one of those panels was green and the other was orange. Whereas on the home, they were both green on a green shirt, so they didn't stand out as much. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was uh, a yes. navy trim on the, those first Umbro shirts. And navy has been the kind of the fourth colour that Umbro have used. It's been the go-to if orange hasn't featured as prominently. There was, um, around that time, or probably around 97, probably, wasn't there a, an orange shirt that the island had which was controversial yeah. would you say just controversial in that it was shit um, <laughs> well there was uh, there was a few misgivings about it being the unionist colour but <clears throat> it was just an awful shirt first of all it was <clears throat> in the same style as the blue 97 98 Man United third kit um, with kind of you know, stupid, stupid fucking stripes on the sleeves and coming down, coming down the sides of the, the shirt. But it was orange shirts, black shorts and black socks. But it was only ever worn once against Macedonia, who were wearing all white. So there was absolutely no need for it to be worn. And um, Ireland lost 3-2 and Jason McAteer was sent off. And it was a real dent to the hopes of qualifying for World Cup 98. And for it became a kind of an in joke in the squad afterwards that the worst trainer uh, uh, in a training session was given an award of having to wear a yellow shirt at the next training session, and on that shirt was written, "I had a Macedonia." Yeah, I, I did know about this, but there, there hasn't there since been another game against Macedonia equally as bad. Um, no, that's that's the gold standard or the, the orange standard. <laughs> the yellow standard. No, I um, <laughs> that's that's quite good. Uh, yeah. That's you on your feet. Um, the I, I think there has been another game. If there is, the, the YouTube video is, is below. So just uh, below. Uh, it's uh, on the screen well, now. So just... now I, I, it's kind of affecting my uh, <clears throat> my self-imposed, well, not self-imposed, but imposed by you, um, status as the expert. The, the th obvious question there is, why don't Ireland wear, seeing as they never wore that shirt again, why do they, in training, when they've had a Macedonia, why don't they wear an orange shirt, or in fact that orange shirt? That yeah, it would, have made, it would have made more sense. It was actually a yellow uh, Umbro goalkeeper shirt, just a bog standard template one. Just plain yellow with a black around that colour. Yeah, 
that that seems as though was the word cutter is redundant there. Yeah, it's um, it it sounds as though people actually in football don't care about kits as much as we do, which yeah, <laughs> that that realization <laughs> be hard to take. Uh, yeah, I actually remember the other Macedonia game that you're on about. No, it was the Euro 2000 qualifying, and Ireland left them in the last one an equaliser. But uh, it wasn't deemed as bad. Okay. Okay. But it, but they it because they did win that game they it was a major reason why they didn't go to Euro two thousand. Yeah, they ended up having to play in a playoff against Turkey then. Ah, yeah. So they might have might have topped the group, and so they yeah. lost out to Turkey. Okay. When did didn't England play Turkey in a playoff for something? Uh, yeah. Maybe. Um, playoff. England haven't really needed many playoffs. They've generally been good in the. Um, qualifying oh no they didn't they didn't need to play off they i think they drew in oh, yeah. istanbul where they they needed a draw when uh i think they were missing rio ferdinand because he missed a a drugs test or something um uh, but, um one of the few england playoffs i recall uh gave rise to a, a very good trivia question name the last english-born player to score a goal at the old wembley Oh come on! Uh, I I don't know. Is it is it Kazim Kazim or something? If it relates no. to no, okay. it was in an international game. It was an international game. The last English born. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's Don Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. For Scotland. Yeah. Okay. Against against England. No, they won one nil. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Then there's there's. Um, yeah. Yeah, Scotland won one nil, but England had won the away leg two nil. Two pass goals, goals, I think. Yeah, yeah, remember it well. Okay, so Umbro uh, were the manufacturer through for the nineties. Well, actually, Umbro have been the manufacturer of the Ireland kit since the mid nineties up to the present day. So, yeah. the, is there like a a high watermark for for Umbro with Ireland? What's the best kit that they've had? Ooh, the best Umbro kit. <clears throat> it's hard to know, really. I I did like the one in. I was around twenty ten. It was just green. It was it was one of their plainer ones. It was green with a white V neck and that gold seam. Which if it had been orange, I'd probably liked it more. Um, and yeah, I think I remember that one. And. They've had a couple of good ones. Obviously, when the the Umbro Taylor buy thing came in, there was a cu- the first that couple was, were good. That was that period, yeah. Yeah, um, I do the, one that I do like, and it's it's an interesting one again. Is the this one that's like a rugby shirt? I was literally I just going to say that one. Actually, it was, that was in two thousand until two thousand one. Very very short lived, and it was another nice plain green with a white um, a white kind of. Uh, Shirt collar, almost. Um, now, the kind of a woolen feel to it too. Um, but it it was it it, it didn't have much of a, a shelf life, really. No, it, that's it makes it even more interesting because it's it's a similar design. If you know that England had um, a red one like that, yeah. that they they wore at Euro two thousand. I think they beat Germany wearing it. Where where both teams wore away kits, I think. Yeah, England... yeah, very strange. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they beat uh, Germany one 0 I think. And Manchester United had one which was 
uh, navy with like white uh, horizontal pinstripes. I think does that ring a bell? Yeah, uh, yeah, and black and red uh, collar. And it was and worn with black shorts and socks too, which you wouldn't think would look good, but I, I thought, uh, I thought it, it was a good overall look, navy and black. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's it's something that's come in come into fashion probably more recently than that. So, uh, good good for Umbro doing that at the time. Um, what is there's a quiz question for you? It, especially considering the short shelf life of that island shirt, what's particularly interested about it? In terms of the retailed version, um, was it the last one to have the Opal logo? Well, that you're, you're half there. Did it not have any logo? Well, it had both. It had it was available with the Opal logo, and it was available afterwards with the uh, Aircom Aircom logo as well. Yeah, as you would have thought it, it, that would have been a good reason for it not to be available for long in that. Or maybe the sponsor changed, so then they just had to bring out a new shirt. But that flies in the face of that logic, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, there has been as a bit. There been another one from the other change from the Aircom to three. Has there been another shirt that you've been able to buy with two, two different sponsors? Well, I would that if that happened, then um, they would just definitely have used the opportunity to launch a new kit. Okay. Yeah. That. Three one. It might have been that one I'm on about with the the white V-neck. Yeah, that sounds possible. But obviously they stagger the shirts as well, don't they? they don't change both at the same time. So you you would imagine there's one that's going to have like a a crossover of sponsors. Wouldn't wouldn't that be the case? Yeah, well, there there have been times where they've launched the away very very uh, soon after a home. Like they're they're staggered, but. In terms of actual practical use, um, you know there hasn't there hasn't been a need for an away, you know, in the intervening period. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, something I want to talk to you about, and I wanted to to mention, and I don't think you you're going to be able to answer this, but uh, in the 2002 World Cup, uh, Roy Keane didn't play, which you, yeah. you couldn't. You could find out the reasons why Roy Keane didn't play, and you could probably debate the reasons why Roy Keane didn't play. But Robbie Keane did play. Now, yeah. Robbie Keane in that World Cup uh, war was he number ten? Was he? Robbie Keane was. I I I would struggle to find a game where he hasn't worn number ten for Ireland. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's say he was number ten. Then that sounds likely. Uh, he and definitely ten in that World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and. The the name he wore on his shirt was R yeah. R Keane. Now that what what is, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. What to distinguish him from who? I, I don't know what you know, Roy Roy really fucked that up for us by uh by going home, stash being sent home. Uh because we never found out what he would have had on his shirt. What he would have had on the shirt. That that is quite good. It's uh yeah. I can think of a comparable example. I think in the ninety eight World Cup, Romania had uh Georgi Popescu and Gabriel Popescu and basically they had Popescu Popescu G H and Popescu G A on their shirts. So the logical one then from an Ireland point of view would be Rob Keane and Roy Keane. 
but obviously that didn't happen. No, we have to we have to assume that that they didn't change the shirts once they realised Roy Keane wasn't going to be there. So, well, if they if they were going to do that, then it would just be Keane. You would think so, but for the, even that logic doesn't work because yeah, the, there's but no me. I don't think they would have changed the shirts because, to all intents and purposes. Keane was still part of the squad because it originally looked like Colin Healy was going to replace him and it was like he's going home oh he's not going home and so Healy looked like he had been kind of called up and then you know not called up and then Keane left and it was too late for him to be replaced so before every Ireland game you know it would list the teams and then list the subs and obviously in the World Cup anyone who's not in the team is a sub and like so Roy Keane was listed as a sub for all of the matches, even though he wasn't even in the country. What What do you mean by listed? Is this what on the TV graphics and stuff he'd be? Listed? Yeah. Oh, but dear. you know, like he was, he was still part of the squad in FIFA's eyes, so he was a sub. Therefore. Hmm. Okay. I I, I don't know. Maybe if you check FIFA.com. You know, their archive, I'd say, you'll probably find six or keen listed as a sub for the Ireland games. Ah, yeah, well, that's... <laughs> but surely not. That, oh, I don't know. No, I'm sure that he would have worn... I, well, I've got a pretty good idea of what he would have worn because he was the more senior player and he was the captain of the side. He would have worn yeah. keen six, I would have thought. Well, there would have, wouldn't have been an R because... Perhaps. Like, it's, it's very hard to know. But uh, that does seem like the most plausible one, really. But also ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Like, there is an argument to be made that because because players wear squad numbers, um, there's no need for any initial. It's like, oh yeah, six is Roy Keane, ten is Robbie Keane. They can both have Keane. But I know that's... You're asking too much of the audience there, aren't you? Uh, the only other thing I can think is that it's for the purposes of the the referee, and maybe yeah. because of of what Roy Keane represented, he wasn't Roy Keane; he was just Keane, because yeah. he, he was almost like Brazilian in stature, let's say. So he was <laughs> a well like this uh, world renowned footballer. Um, yeah. and just as as you mentioned, Brazil. This is a real tangent, and nothing to do with kids. But um, I was at an event last week and Liam Brady was one of the guest speakers and he told a story about how he had been uh, issued with a suspension coming up to Euro 88, a four-game ban. So basically he wouldn't have been able to play in any of the group games. So there's a special hearing in Switzerland uh, with UEFA. And uh, basically, like, you know, as Roy Keane would have uh, mentioned from time to time, the FAI has a reputation for ineptitude. So there was an impassioned case made for Brady by one of these FAI suits to the the FIFA committee, or the UEFA committee, my apologies. And uh, he said, uh, Liam Brady, he's what we can is to French football. You know, we we really need him at at this year 88. He's what Diego Maradona is to Brazilian football. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, In fairness, and Brady wouldn't have a reputation... For being great raconteur, but he he had very good comic timing at this event that I was at. Yeah, uh, th- um, Liam Brady 
there wasn't there talk about was he at West Ham at the time? Wasn't there talk about him going to Italia ninety and then he didn't go? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jack Charlton just didn't really like him um, as a player. He was he was he was a passing <clears throat> fielder basically, so he didn't fit in to uh, to Jack's style of play. Um, <laughs> What's a midfield? Sorry. What's a midfield? Yeah, well, uh, basically, he you know he wouldn't track back and tackle enough. Uh, Charlton would have bypassed the midfield anyway. That, that's what I'm saying. What what is a midfield? Oh, because... sorry. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know. Yeah. I've made uh, a joke. Yeah, sorry. It was it was just too dry for me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he there was a, a game. Was he struggling with injury? Maybe and so I hadn't played as much. But there was a a friendly game against Germany in the spring of nineteen ninety, and uh, Charlton played Brady and brought him off in the first half, and it, it turned out to be his last game for Ireland. Oh dear! Yeah, that, that's uh, and and Brady at that event also told a story like of, of the first game uh, that Charlton was in charge against Wales, um, and Jack is and saying the team he's like oh number six Ian Brady, <laughs> and <laughs> I just said to him uh, my name is Liam Jack Ian Brady's the fucking Moore's murderer. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's yeah. Easily, easily. Didn't he used to call Tony Cascarino fucking ice cream man? Um, that does sound familiar. Yeah, uh, from Cascarino's book. Yeah, that makes uh, that, that rings a bell. Mm. Yeah, he. Okay. Uh, I suppose you just call him old school, wouldn't you, Jack? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the the polite way of putting it, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Island shirts. We've mentioned O'Deal. So used to make the. Island kits. Now they're more known for GAA. That, that's always been their area of expertise, really, is uh, is Gaelic football and hurling. Um, so this year, obviously, St. Patrick's Day, so that's great. Um, but it's also the 100th anniversary of the Easter Rising, which we've, we've sort of touched on as well. So um, give us a quick idea of what that means. It's kind of seen as the first kind of the first step in what eventually became Ireland's independence, um, and basically there was a, a big siege in Dublin over Easter week, and with all the leaders, the the, the proclamation of the Irish Republic was read from the roof of the the General Post Office on O'Connell Street, and uh, <clears throat> you know there was there was. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, conflict <coughs> uh, over the the next few days, but the British won out, and the seven men who signed the proclamation were all shot. But um, it kind of gave everyone else the push to fight towards independence. And over the next five years, that was fought as a guerrilla war, and then eventually England decided it was time to negotiate and. That's how Ireland was split, and that's kind of hmm. that's it basically. Yeah. So, so that uh, the so that that's the proclamation of the Irish Republic. That this is a yeah. This is quite a, a famous document. A lot of people has, would have seen this. Is this the? I mean, a lot of people would be able to visualise this. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and it's made it onto the back of a 
other commemorative jersey this year, has it? Yeah, O'Neill's have made a 1916 proclamation shirt. Okay. Uh, it won't be finding its way into my wardrobe, but I'd imagine there is a certain constituency with whom it would appeal. Yeah, there are elements of it that I'm not a great fan of it, but that it's it's like a watermark on the back, isn't it? Um, uh, I don't know what you even say watermark. I think it's just screen printed on. Is it? Oh, okay. But it's I, fairly um, fairly prominent, like. Oh, okay. I, I well, maybe I'm I'm forgetting it. Um, I thought it was it was, was it? maybe just shades of what color is the is the jersey. There's a green one, but I think there's also a blue one now in yeah. the Dublin colours. Yeah, okay, so the, maybe I'm thinking of that. I, I thought it was yeah. just... I mean, it, it's clear you could read it, but it, I would still yeah. describe it as a watermark from what I remember. I might be wrong. It's blue on blue and green on green, though, isn't it? Um, I suppose there's probably an element to that, but it's, you know, you wouldn't miss it, I suppose. Mm, okay, but a lot of watermarks are like that. Um, okay, so that that's something that's going on. You, you do have a lot of these. Um, I think that there are ties between O'Neills and and maybe Irish independence, and uh, I don't know. There, there are also I that you sometimes see, and not necessarily O'Neills. I don't want to say that they do it, but there's certainly with the idea of um, historical republicanism. There are the odd shirt that that pops up on on some sort of market or it pops up on eBay, like Celtic shirts that are, are that way inclined, and they have sort of historical references. Uh, are, are you? Are, some of them are a little bit. Um, it's unsubtle. It's it's yeah. It's mm. what what are your thoughts on them in general? On O'Neill's? No, not on O'Neill's. I just on political. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't kind of be a massive fan. Mm. I think they should be kept apart. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, sport and politics. I don't think you know, should be be linked that closely. Really, mm. I wouldn't be overly overly gone in Barcelona having red and yellow away kits. Yeah, um, well, that's that's not. <clears throat> I mean. We, I've mentioned this before, but the, the the first one that they had was red and yellow, and that's not yeah. really so political. That's just a reference to to a region. All right, it gets drawn. Ah, right. but it, it's it's the region that's looking to secede from Spain, like. Well, it it may well be, but the the region, those are the colours of the region of the region's flag, if nothing else. So it of doesn't necessarily. You don't have to wear it for that reason. Yeah, I know, but I think there's a an undercurrent associated with it. Well, I, I I think it changed when they did it again and they brought in blue shorts because the blue shorts suggests a, a flag of independence rather yeah. than um the the regional flag. But that's a that's a separate issue. We don't need to talk about that. Um, yeah. now <laughs> the Umbro thing. I thought the Umbro thing was gonna go. I I made a big deal on on the website made a big deal out of uh, Warrior taking over. I was sure that Warrior were going to take over the Irish contract because suddenly there was Warrior were doing things in Ireland. They've got the Shamrock Rovers kit. Uh, yeah. That that hasn't really turned out. I suppose because Umbro have come, I suppose back from the dead might be a bit strong, but they, they things weren't looking good for them for a while. And now they seem to be 
as as big as they were before. So uh, I suppose they're going to carry on. It's a different company in Ireland, anyway, isn't it? It's they're licensed to to make Umbro products. Yeah, but top lane is the name of the company. And yeah. they, like a few years ago, they had a load of League of Ireland teams. No, I, I stand to be corrected, but I think St. Patrick's Athletic are the only team in Umbro. Okay. So I'm not sure what the story is, basically. Okay. Now, t- talking a little bit about um, uh, about League of Ireland. So, what's happening this season? What, what sort of interesting kits have we got? Is any other teams at the minute? We'll get on to like, the major League of Ireland team when it comes to when it comes to kits anyway, in just a second. But there, is there anything interesting going on in, in League of Ireland in terms of what they're wearing? Um, Dundalk, the champions have a new kit, and I'll just tell you now who makes it. Uh, they had Umbro for the last few years. company called CX Plus Sports. Um, and I don't really know who they are, to be honest. They've just kind of appeared out of nowhere, and they're making a few kits. Um, I, I don't think... Don't they produce any in England, do they? Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. I don't remember that name, no. Yeah. So I think I think Dundalk and Drogheda, who are from County Loud um, and are Dundalk's rivals, I think both of them have CX plus sports. So maybe it's just a company in Loud who are kind of starting off. Uh, the, the kids aren't bad now, to be honest. Dundalk's is kind of white with... With, with black kind of in the style of the uh, Spain Euro 96 kit. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, just with the vertical stripes rather than one stripe being one sleeve being black. Yeah. Um, and St. Patrick's Athletic, who I mentioned previously, the only team with Umbro, they normally have <coughs> an Arsenal style kit. Um, but I'd say for the first time in about 25 years, they have red sleeves this season now. Okay, and how did that how did that go down? Was that okay? I don't think there was much controversy over it. Okay, uh, because they would have had plain red in the past too before. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. They would have had it in the past, but so so would have Arsenal, wouldn't they? Well, very briefly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Longford goalkeeper shirt. A few people drew my attention to it on Twitter recently. Uh, it's like. Do you remember that Wales third kit from a few years ago? Uh, uh, Italian flag style, basically. White body uh, with one green sleeve and one red. Okay. This is, yeah. you, you've piqued my interest, yep. Yeah, that's the Longford goalkeeper kit. But worn with red socks, which kind of... White shorts and red socks, which just gives it an unbalanced look slightly. So they, they should be wearing odd socks, is that what you're saying? Uh, no, white, white shorts and white socks, I think, would be best. Okay. Odd uh, socks look... It looked like Christmas Elf or something, wouldn't it? The the important thing is really if he wears a short sleeve version or or cuts the sleeves off, cut uh, the elbow, what what sort of base layer the goalkeeper is wearing. That's probably the the most important element of that. Would would you not agree? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Brave Wanderers last season had the same kit as Cork City. Exactly the same. Green with a white vertical stripe. Nike team wear. But each of the teams had different team wear deals, so that's why that kind of happened without you know, each did it without the other knowing, basically. Mm. But this season, Bray have you know, that kind of checkerboard style. Oh, yeah, the what the fading out thing that Bradford have, yeah. They, I think they're that in green and black, and Athlone Town have it in 
blue and black. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so Bray, like, it's funny, we talk about, I'm probably preempting you, we talk about Cork City changing their style a lot, but Bray are also green and white, and they too have had loads of different combinations of it, but their kits haven't been as nice as Cork City's. Hmm. So that's probably why they don't, they don't get as much uh, attention. Yeah. Well, <laughs> very biased rather than uh, insulting the people of Bray. No, I don't, I don't think I don't think there is much of that. The Cork City, Cork City, like Celtic in Scotland and and probably Paris Saint Germain in France now, where they they've just, or they they certainly were in that they've outgrown the league in terms of their kit. That's the kit equivalent of of it being impressive on the pitch, I suppose. Um, the just streets ahead of everyone else, weren't they? And this is. Was there other teams in Ireland who who had this similar sort of things going on with their kit? Obviously, you wouldn't know to the same extent because you, you're a Cork fan and you were based in that sort of area. But is there? do other teams have like versions of the kit that we know around the world but slightly tweaked in the same way that Cork City do? No, not really. Not to the best of my knowledge, anyway. No. So... Like in the early 90s, well, in the 80s, there would have been a good few teams have Adidas kits, but they would have just been plain kind of bog standard designs. Um, you know, just a v-neck and the three stripes. But then in the early 90s, City were one of the, the few to keep with Adidas, and a lot of teams had O'Neill's, who at the time were producing tributes to the Adidas styles, you know, with the over-the-shoulder stripes and things like that. So... They were very, very similar. Um, like I, I can show you pictures for notes of Shelburne shirts. Um, that if you looked at them, you you would think, oh yeah, that's Adidas. And then closer inspection would reveal no O'Neill's uh, taking inspiration, shall we say? Yeah, but isn't there a lot then of these shirts? ending up being worn say if they needed chain shorts for particular games are they not going to end up being worn with adidas chain shorts and and socks and that kind of thing does that happen um i i know of one well i know of two examples of that with non-adidas kits in 1976 ireland did it away to france uh with when they had o'neill's kit and my best guess is that they just went to France with their home kit and found out over there that they had to change and probably just went into a, a magasin de sport in Paris and uh, just bought 16, 14 pairs of green shorts, I suppose, seeing as the goalies wouldn't need them. Or they might have actually, I must look at the team picture again, maybe it was 16 pairs of green shorts, green Adidas shorts, uh, which were worn with the O'Neill's. And then in 1994-95, Shamrock Rovers brought their home kit to Bishopstown for a game of Cork City. Uh, So green and white hoops, obviously, and Cork City were green, white and red stripes. And the game was delayed for a half hour while a local team uh, were contacted to see if their shorts could be borrowed. And they were the blue um, Adidas, you know, Liverpool 91-93 to style. Uh oh yeah okay yeah, yeah. they're they wore blue shorts like that with their green and white hoops 
didn't didn't look the best really uh yeah i want to see pictures of that see this is the thing with cork city and we and we can focus entirely on cork city now so i've been going through your site uh corkcitykits.com which is fantastic and it, you've got and, and things like that happening all the time so they you'll have like around 91 to 93 or 4 whatever it is you'll have that new with a big uh what what's the word you use to describe those bars on the shoulders? Uh, obnoxious. Obnoxious. The big uh, yeah. obnoxious bars on the shoulders in various different ways, and then yeah. then they'll be wearing like a slightly different style of shorts, and it won't have alternate coloured stripes on the shorts either. So, but everything looks brilliant. I don't know whether it's partly the way you illustrate them that makes them look great but i i want to see these kits in action they they somehow work all the time maybe it's because it's white green and red a lot of the time but yeah it even when it mismatches it looks fantastic <laughs> With the... yeah um i don't know why that is really like i know what you're saying about the, the mismatching shorts just being carried over from the previous kit for that the 92 93 kit and basically just in october they started wearing the the matching shorts then um and like i'm not sure kind of who was the driver behind saying oh you know why don't we get shorts that match our shorts rather than doing what we've done for the last year and a half <laughs> yeah but, I, but that's i suppose that's good that that the that someone has actually gone that someone cares because oh yeah yeah that that someone because i don't Obviously, I would look at it immediately and go, what are you doing? You can't wear, that's a different style. Even if it sort of ties in, yeah. your, your instant reaction would be, well, it's a completely different style for us because we would we would recognise which sorts of shorts are where to go with which shirt. But yeah, yeah. for someone there to go, even if it's like a few months into the season, to go, no, it's, I'm not having this anymore. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, well, the, especially when the, is it like a factory was like, just around the corner or something was it so yeah just... well you see it was around this time that, that the factory would have closed so i don't know i, I don't know is that a factor but even but... even 394 when they had um what the fans refer to as the pajamas kit the one i mentioned earlier the green white and red stripes um like in the first season that was worn adidas in their wisdom that template in 93 94 they brought it out with the shorts having one leg striped, which worked about as well as you'd imagine it worked. Rangers <laughs> away was the same in Orange and Navy. But for 94, 95, clearly, clearly someone had made the decision in the in Cork City that no, we're not wearing these shorts <laughs> anymore. Because there was a pre-season friendly against Celtic where they wore the kit with navy shorts. And then the first two games of the season they wore red. In in the new Adidas ninety four ninety five style with the, the three stripes around the bottom of the leg, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, so they wore navy first with white stripes, then red with white stripes, and then like ninety two ninety three, uh, these pair a pair of green shorts with white and red stripes just materializes. <laughs> so you, you'd wonder the trouble that was gone to to get the perfectly tailored shorts because. I don't recall many other examples of those shorts with alternate coloured stripes. Did um did did Argentina have them? Well, they just had black shorts with three white stripes. 
I, I'm sure there was no. Oh, I don't know. If it's on the notes, then I found it. If it's not on the notes. Hard actually in 94-95 had uh, black shorts with a light blue or grey stripe, purple stripe, and then the light blue or grey again. So that's, that's another example. Argentina hmm. in your, in your 96, no. Olympics 96 had a hybrid version of those shorts with the stripes <laughs> on the bottom of one leg and then down the side of... Uh, of the other leg. See that this is that when I saw these because I hadn't seen these before. You you uh, drew my attention to them, and um, the, it, it just seems like that is the the final. So now you've actually descended into insanity when you yeah. see these things because they, there's one example where they've got like the the hooped stripes on one leg and the the vertical stripe on the other leg then there's another one where it's swapped the other way around isn't it in another match or another tournament well, and they... yeah yeah they they swap them i think like that. oh i'm pretty sure there's yeah the the they swap over from one side to the other or maybe that is my insanity <laughs> yeah actually oh, just sorry just just as i'm sitting here just to give you an idea of the 93 94 city kit i just noticed a that there's a picture in my living room of me, uh, a picture montage my aunt made for me, and one of the pictures is of me as mascot in 1994, uh, with Cork City wearing that striped kit. And the funny thing is, is that in late 93, they brought out a new all-black away kit in the style of Liverpool's 93-94 kit, with the uh, two sets of three stripes coming up from the lower half. And they wore a good few home games, um, I presume just to kind of market it, because it was the first away kit that we properly sold. And I, at the time, I wanted to be the mascot, but they didn't have a proper kind of scheme. But that game that I was mascot for at home to Derry City turned out to be the one where they actually reverted to wearing the home kit. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Uh, so yeah, I'll go through the, I'll go through your site and I'll find things that are, are both ridiculous and fantastic. And like the ninety one ninety two uh, season, that's when they had the obnoxious stripes, which were unbroken, ran all the way down to then. Yeah. And Guinness was like mounted on the top of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so the first version of that, there was a short sleeve version, and it had like a, a trefoil logo yeah. on the collar and then eventually they broke the stripes to allow 
the Guinness to be like to have more prominence, I suppose. Um, and then they got a, another long sleeve. Ver- they got a long sleeve version, but without the stripes broken again. Before they had... got that long sleeve version, they had changed to the Liverpool style, the just li- to confuse it further. Oh, okay. So then they, uh, okay. So there was, there was two different styles of shirt in effect between the short sleeve version and the long sleeve version. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then that long, but then when that long sleeve version came along, it had so you're going back to yeah. two, two designs or three designs, and then you've but you've got the the equipment logo on the collar then, haven't you? Yeah. It's, uh, so what, nothing makes know. any sense. Nothing makes any sense. It's, Nothing it's, makes any sense. Yeah. I, well, you know, I think, I think that is how we should end this podcast. This is not going to be the last podcast because that would be a bad thing. But uh, the the idea that nothing makes any sense is is a nice way to sum things up. I think. Um, just uh, we do have some corrections to make regarding previous. Well, one correction, I think, at the minute, but I probably will need to correct things from this podcast, maybe, uh, in the future. The I said, and this is a meta correction, this is my favourite correction yet, I corrected myself and said that it was the 1981 European Cup final where the Real Madrid president took issue with uh, Liverpool having... Umbro logos on their shirts, so they had to put tape over the shirt. It wasn't the Real Madrid president who cared about that. Why would he care about that? It wasn't him who, who had a problem with it. It was Horst Dassler, who was the... who it, I don't, He must be dead now. But he was uh, the son of uh, Adi Dassler and was like head honcho or, or very high up at Adidas at the time. So he took issue with it whilst being happy to see Real Madrid wearing... Um, three stripes on the sleeves and probably having the Adidas logo visible as well uh, because there was a, a big thing with Adidas having the contract for European football or something with UEFA. So they, they were allowed to have as much as they wanted. Umbro were allowed virtually nothing, if anything at all. Is is that something I'm going to need to correct, have another layer of correction, do you think, Dennis? No, it sounds sounds pretty pretty good. Okay. Um, was there anything that you wanted to add uh, regarding previous podcasts or anything you... Any observations? Oh, shit. Is this like a job interview where they ask you at the end if you have any questions as a kind of a test? <laughs> you should always have a question. They always told me that. I, yeah. I didn't do so well in job interviews. But that's just so, so hackneyed now. Like, you know, oh, what are your weaknesses? Oh, I work too hard. I'm a perfectionist. Shut your twat. <laughs> that's, yeah. You'd never guess we were both self-employed, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, that reminds me of uh, a situation. Joshua Wilson, I think you're, you know Joshua, or you, you've, your paths have crossed before. He's uh, Moon Designs on Twitter. Yeah, uh, he does work for uh, Body Bro, which is a, f- uh, a company, an Irish company, owned by a Gaelic footballer, Ben Brosnan, who plays for Wexford. And it's the company is getting into the, the sportswear market. Um, and I've just helped him out with a bit of stuff on his website and so I was talking to Josh about his designs um, but uh, you asked me earlier about League of Ireland kits for this season and one of the big developments is Body Bro making the kits for Wexford Youths um, despite the name it's a senior club um, 
and they're they're in the Premier Division for the first time and they're wearing body bro kits. And the club is owned by a guy called Mick Wallace, who is um, a he, TD here in Ireland. He wears a All Torino right. shirt. He, he has worn the Torino shirt in Parliament, yeah. yeah. So he's the equivalent of an MP, uh, and he owns the club, and they have pink, they have pink shirts, um, because he's a big Juventus fan as well, uh, <laughs> despite wearing the Torino shirt. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure which is the home or which is the way they have a black shirt and a pink shirt anyway. And I think they kind of wear them, you know, indiscriminately really. But, um, so yeah, uh, I'm not sure if Josh was actually involved in the design of that kit. But um, they're, they're looking to make a bit of an impact here in Ireland. Okay. Well, that's that would be um, another instance of a uh, a member of design football becoming a professional kit designer i would suggest if uh, yeah. a professional football kit designer i knew he was he was doing some work for them um yeah he, to... he designed all of their the wrote seven soccer templates yeah and he designed all of them mm, okay that's good so yeah he's that's a professional team is it Semi-professional. It's Semi-professional. Playing, playing in the League of Ireland, like, yeah. League, League of Ireland, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's quite good. But the, Joshua has had a, a situation recently where, and I, I just wanted to get your take on this, what you think about this, but he's he was offered some work, a similar situation to the Body Bro situation. He was offered some work from uh, a company, uh, a new startup company, I think, it seemed like a new startup, but apparently this has happened before with this company, which I won't name. But um, he was asked to do some work. He provided the work, and then they went quiet, and payment hasn't been forthcoming. All right. Yeah, apparently. So this is a for me. It's it's difficult these sorts of situations because it is an industry where, especially with the internet and everything that's going on now, there's a lot of asking people do for, to do something for. For nothing or in exchange for other things in exchange for advertising yeah so it's, it's not always the case that money changes hands but yeah exactly like it, it's not all like this podcast where you're paying me to appear <laughs> yeah i'm paying you handsomely as well um yeah. so yeah it, it doesn't all work work out like that um <laughs> you've thrown me a bit there dennis yeah uh, you walked into that one yeah the, the what i was thinking is that if you do, members of the website are going to get asked to do these kind of things from time to time, but they they will have people offering things. I suppose the important thing is to to have to manage your own expectations and say, well, okay, I I could offer this. I don't know this person, so are they going to pay me? Are they not going to pay me? And probably provide only a minimal amount of work before you invoice for the first time. I mean, speaking to someone yeah. who who is self-employed, is that something you'd agree with, Dennis? Yeah, I suppose so. It's it's it can be tough to negotiate it, all right. Um, not a diplomacy isn't either, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it's it's a case of of doing things by stages. So not not providing an entire project's worth of work and then saying, yeah. okay, it's time it's time for you to pay me. You you always do it in in increments, and you get the first payment, and then you can move on to the next section. Especially if you don't know the person, you've never met them. A lot of this yeah. stuff won't even be done face to face. You'll be doing it no, over, of course, over not, the yeah. internet. So yeah, uh, there's, there's uh, it's a cautionary tale what he's gone through there. But other people have have dealt with this particular company as well and tell a similar story, which is a shame. But yeah, it's not a, not a great way to do business, really. 
No. Uh, maybe there are excuses for it. Maybe it's it's trying to get a business off the ground is difficult. And yeah. uh, but if, like if it happens once, you have an excuse. But if it happens with a few different people, you know, I uh, it's tougher to to uh, justify it, really, isn't it? It certainly is. I would agree with that one hundred percent. Okay. Um. Well, thank you again, Dennis. It's been great talking to you. Uh, remember to visit Dennis's sites. Museumofjerseys.com is really... If anything is updated on your other sites, Dennis, do, does it get updated on Museum of Jerseys as well? Yeah, yeah, pretty much it is, yeah. yeah okay. It's the central hub for everything. Okay, so we're not. if we stick to Museum of Jerseys, we're going to be made aware of what happens on the other sites? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, that's ideal. And Museum Probably of Jerseys on... Museum of Jerseys on... Facebook, no, museumofjerseys.com on Facebook, Museum of Jerseys on Twitter, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you can contact Dennis that way and like him and follow him and all yeah, those kind like of me. things. Oh, sorry, <laughs> yeah, very likeable, Dennis. Uh, Thanks. The, uh, on our website, designfootball.com, we're on Facebook, designfootball.com, we're on Twitter, design football i'm j29ers on twitter if you wanted to speak to me specifically uh there is a weekly crest competition going on on the website at the minute that's a lot of fun and there's been some great entries on that so it changes the team changes each week and uh you do a voting thing for the the crest that have been submitted for the previous team the previous week in that week as well so uh that's really interesting so you could enter that i don't think it's it's a case of if you weren't there the first week, you can't enter going forward. So head over to that and uh, upload designs. And there's also an Atlanta United. Atlanta United are joining the MLS. As I uh, spoke to Austin Long about, Atlanta United are joining MLS in 2017. Uh, so there's a competition on the website at the minute for uh, their kits. Uh, it's not the kits they're going to wear, but it's just a, a fun thing to see what they should be wearing. Are you going to be entering that, Dennis? Um, the way you've asked me that question now, it kind of sounds like you're putting pressure on me to do it, so I suppose so, yeah. Mm, that'd be good. You could also uh, update Museum of Jerseys with your entrant, uh, your entries for the the Atlanta United kit competition, if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, it could be a, a, a nice little arrangement, mutually beneficial, <laughs> symbiotic. <laughs> symbiotic. Maybe, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, if only we'd come up with a plan to do something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. this is this has been fantastic. Thank you again, Dennis. Uh, we'll speak to you again soon. You'll you'll come back on, won't you? Uh, if if invited, of course. I'd never be so bold as to get complacent. You you'll be invited, Dennis. Don't worry about that. That's great to hear. Thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of your day, Dennis. And everyone should enjoy the rest of whatever time passes before the next podcast. Yeah, I'm just heading out now to watch the local. Uh, Local St. Patrick's Day Parade, so it should be a great day. <laughs> and, uh, right. I, I, yeah, I think the, I think the the Gardaí, the the police in Ireland will be kept busy uh, with public order offences tonight as <laughs> Liverpool and Man United fans clash in pubs after a day on the the gargle. So uh, that should be fun. Ah, yeah. So that's that's how I'll be celebrating. Yeah, Ireland's two biggest teams playing each <laughs> other on on the national holiday. That that is that's quite something, really, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's it's very fitting. Yeah. Okay. 
Excellent. Okay, thanks very much for that, Dennis, and uh, speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Right, you too. Bye. Did, okay. did you know Patrick is credited with um, driving the snakes out of Ireland? <laughs> yeah, I did know that, yeah. yeah. And oh, you know sorry. Said, I... Do you know what he said when he was driving the snakes out of Ireland? Uh, no. Are you all right in the back there, lads? I, I, I don't get that. Driving the snakes out of Ireland. Oh, Earth. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll probably just cut me out of that, not getting that joke. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you can just delete the eight seconds of silence and go straight to the left. Yeah. <laughs> I probably probably will do that. <laughs> You're right in the valet. That's, that's good. That's a good one.